Good morning. Good morning. My name's John. And uh, first of all, has anyone noticed the new sign by McCall's? Um, those of Phil's noticed it. Well done. Uh, so the, for those of you who don't know, McCall's just down there, shop down the road, uh, used to have an affairs dating website on there for a, a few years. Um, it now has a Gateway Church um, advert on there. So will be a, a, lot, uh, a lot better for, for people's souls, I think. So let's, let's pray that it will be um, a real blessing and that we'll see people uh, coming on. It says, your adventure of faith starts now. So let's pray that people come, will find out about Jesus, um, and there'll be real fruit. So um, on Monday the 20th of February, I did something that would be previously unthinkable. Monday 20th of February. Uh, for years, the chances of it happening was zero, maybe slightly more than zero, but pretty much around zero. Um, so what happened is all my adult life, I'd hated running, detested it. Um, I could understand, I, I enjoyed playing football and other sports, but running, I always felt was you, you're f- constantly thinking about the fact that you're in pain um, and that you want to stop. Anyone else identify with that feeling? Yeah, so um, there was absolutely no way I was going to go for a run. Um, But um, I was weakened by the arguments for health um, and the arguments for flexibility and the fact that you can, as long as you have feet, you can run anywhere. Um, You are in the country, in the world, and at any time. So, reluctantly, I thought I would start the Couch to 5K program. Um, And and at the beginning, the 20th of, of February, my goal was to be able to run, park run, which is 5K run, um, in under 30 minutes. And so I started running for, for one minute and then get completely out of breath and then you're allowed to walk for three minutes. Um, and if you've ever done the, park, uh, the couch to 5K, you know how it slowly builds up over time and you think, when you start, there's no way that you're going to be running solidly for, for 30 minutes. Um, well, that was, well, I guess 10 weeks ago. Um, this was yesterday. There we go. First ever park run. Some of the uh, other, other Gateway team there as well. And then you can see at the bottom, my official time was 29 minutes and 22 seconds. So, thank you. So, um, under the 30-minute uh, the barrier. So, just over two months ago... Um, before this idea had entered my head, I would have laughed at you uh, if, if you said I could run uh, 5K in under 30 minutes. There was absolutely no way. Um, I must confess, I don't love it yet. Um, I'm, I think I despise it slightly less than I, than I did. Um, but I know that it is, it is good, so I'm going to keep going, at least for now. Um, often, the Christian life can be equated to running. We think that we just need to build up stamina over time. We need to, to dig in. Uh, we need to push on. We need to improve our technique. And also, as I find, you learn a whole new vocab uh, and culture in the, in the running world, particular um, phrases you need to use and particular shoes and that kind of thing. And, and often it can be uh, like that in Christian life. You, you learn these certain phrases. You have these certain habits. You go somewhere on, a, uh, on the morning of a weekend, and, and just that's, that's what you do. Is that what we're doing as church? Are we just trying to beat our personal best each week? Uh, and through the week you think, oh, I'm doing well. I've, I've read the Bible at least three times. I've prayed maybe, maybe twice. This is, this is a good week. I'm going to beat my personal best. 
You may be looking in and thinking, is this what the Christian life is all about? Is it just about hard work and effort? Are we supposed to be focusing on what we can achieve? The truth is, no. The amazing truth is, no, it's not about our hard work. It's not about our own effort. We're involved, we're committed, but it's God's power that counts. If we rely on our own effort, we'll be just like me, trying to run 5K on that first morning on the 20th of February. We end up in a crumpled heap on the floor after only a few minutes. If we try going in our own effort and in our own power, there's no way we can continue in the race. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Not I, but the grace of God that is with me. We partner with God in this race, but he's the the senior partner who carries the load. We get discouraged. We get weary. We get downcast when we think that it's all about us. So the truth this morning is that we are to live in God's power, focusing on him. This is also part of the reason that starting, um, well, I guess starting later today, I begin a sabbatical. Uh, We talked about this in in previous weeks. I'm going to be off from May to July because it's so important to remember that it's all about Jesus. It's Jesus who builds his church. And after I've spent uh, 15 years serving and being employed by a church, and the temptation can be to lose sight of this. And so the aim of uh, my time out of the, the normal run of things is for rest and refreshment. I'm going to spend some time uh, being by myself. Um, going to a um, use of a, a caravan in the New Forest. I'm going to spend some time praying, um, reading, reflecting, hopefully doing some songwriting as well. Just time to be with Jesus. I'm going to spend some time in the coming weeks on study. I've got a whole stack of commentaries on Galatians. I'm going to enjoy reading through them and getting into God's words. Um, and also, it's um, about experience as well. I'm going to be visiting a few other local churches. We're also going to the Advanced Global Conference in, in Washington, gathering with other leaders from uh, Advance, the family of churches that we are part of. Um, and as a family, we're going to go to uh, North Carolina as well, where all five of us will be going for, for three weeks to be part of Donnie Griggs' church, who's, who's been here, uh, just to be involved in their community life and had some time out of our, our normal run of things. So, I won't be here week by week uh, until the end of July. Um, Vicky and, and the kids will be ducking in and out um, here and there. Uh, I'm, I am really looking forward to it. It feels a bit unreal that it's actually come round. But I will definitely miss being with you all week by week. Because uh, doing Christian life isn't just an individual sport. It's so much easier doing a park run yesterday with so many other people running together. Often you can feel lonely just running by yourself. We're to be here together, not just on our own. So, how can we daily follow God in his power and not run in our own strength? Well, firstly, our our focus needs to be on Jesus. We need to be looking to Jesus. Otherwise, we're going to start running in the wrong direction. And these last weeks, we've been in a series called Who is Jesus, which is finishing today. In recent weeks, we've been looking at Palm Sunday, 
through the events of Easter week, we've been looking at conflict in the temple. The Last Supper, we looked at Jesus' betrayal, his trial, his crucifixion. We've seen his burial, his resurrection and ascension. We have seen and we claim today that Jesus is powerful. Jesus is all of these things we've seen. Jesus is, is real. He is the creator. Jesus is the sustainer. He's the one who knows. Jesus is king over everything, and yet he came as sacrifice. Jesus is the one with all authority. Jesus is the one who sees through the circumstantial signs and things that are going on and examines our hearts. Jesus is our certainty in uncertain times. Jesus is our bread to eat and wine to drink. Jesus is the resurrection. And we've seen that in these past weeks that all that Jesus said and did demonstrate the truth of what we claim and we believe about him. But it's what happened next that really seals the deal. It's the demonstration of Christ at work in his people that really enables us to answer this question, who is Jesus? So how do we do this? We've gone through the book of Luke and coming into the book of Acts, which is also written by Luke. It's kind of Luke part two. Jesus has now returned to his father. And in response to his command, the disciples have returned to Jerusalem and are waiting there for the promise of the father. They are praying. Jesus has ascended. He's told his disciples to wait for the spirit. So let's read what happens next. We are going to be in Acts chapter 1, page 640 in the, the church Bibles and the seat pockets in front of you. Page 640, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to be reading to begin with from verse 15. Acts 1.15 says, In those days... Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120 and said, Brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered amongst us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. It's a nice reading on a Sunday morning, isn't it? So that the field was called in their own language, Akudaima, which is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it, and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us about all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph and Barsabbas, who was also called Justice and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of those two you have chosen to take the place in his ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Let's pray. Lord, our, our hearts are open before you this morning. We pray that as we look 
to your words that you will bring truth, life, you will bring freedom. Lord, we thank you that for the truth that it's not about our own effort, but it's about your power. And so we pray, won't your words do its work this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we can ask that question, how do you do Christian life without Jesus and without the Spirit? Well, the early church had to do this for 10 days. To begin with, they had to replace Judas. You've already noticed the, the grisly account of, of, of Judas's demise. But why is it such an issue? Why did there need to be 12 and not just 11? Well, there was, although there was 120 of them together, clearly a number of them had been around Jesus since the beginning. Also, the number 12 had significance. Jesus had chosen 12, and there are 12 tribes of Israel. And Jesus promised that they would sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. He spoke about this in, in Luke chapter 22. With 11, things feel incomplete. So how do you go about choosing the 12th, especially because Jesus is no longer there to guide you? Well, God guides in a number of different ways. First of all, God guides in Scripture. Um, verse 20 says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, May his camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And then importantly, let another take his office. Scripture guides us. Scripture shows us um, what is going on. Sorry, I seem to have lost um, my first point. Can you imagine there that it says, God guides Scripture? Can you imagine that for me? Thanks. Um, that point seemed to have gone on sabbatical early. Um, so we know that God guides through Scripture, through truth. Um, often we can think, what is God saying to me? Um, we can look to Scripture and have full confidence that what it says in here is true and helpful. Secondly, that one's still here, that's good. Um, God guides in terms of leadership. We see Peter here taking the lead. He always took the lead. He took the lead in articulating loyalty to Jesus at the Last Supper, and he also led in denying Jesus that night too. Peter has now been reinstated by Jesus, and now he leads again. But already there seems to be a change in Peter. He's not just shooting his mouth off and, and being rash as we're used to seeing him do, but he's starting to sound more like Jesus. He says, verse 16, brothers, brothers the scripture had to be fulfilled. Sounds just like, like Jesus talking. So Peter is, is understanding the story of who is Jesus with a new clarity. And Peter takes this, this common sense, practical approach. Someone who's qualified, who's been a witness, who's been there from the beginning, who's seen all the things that we have seen. He uh, needs to be the one that joins us. And so there, there are two suitable candidates. You can't appoint both. So how are they going to choose? Well, next, verse 24 and we see that they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen. God guides in prayer. Again, encouragement for us. God guides us, leads us in, in Scripture, in leadership, and in prayer, entrusting this decision to God. And then, verse 26, we see that they cast lots. Cast lots. This is a trusting in, in God's sovereignty that God will choose. And it seems a bit of a strange thing to do. 
But in the Old Testament, casting lots was described a number of times for making decisions. It was used in the way that the Joshua divided the land amongst the tribes, and how Jonah was identified as the reason for the storm. It says in Proverbs 16, verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but, is every, but its every decision is from the Lord. So even though the, there were lots were cast, it can seem a bit of a, a, a random thing. It says the decision is from the Lord. Also, we see in here the, um, uh, the Urim and the Thummim, which is disputed exactly how it was used, but it's most likely a set of stones worn on the high priest's breastplate, and they could be used like dice. So Peter and the others were thinking here like Old Testament people, not New Covenant people. There's no indication that they made the wrong choice or they were doing wrong, but everything is about to change for them. They're about to get the full answer to who is Jesus, and making decisions is never going to be the same again. And we're to know today that God still uses these ways to guide. He still uses scripture, he still uses leadership, he still uses prayer. And these three are, are amplified, not lessened, by the coming of the Spirit. Although now we, we don't need to, to cast lots, because wonderful truth is we have direct access to the Father through the Son by the Spirit. We have direct access to the Father through the Son by the Spirit, and this changes everything for us. We don't need to scrabble around in the dark. We need to let the light in. Yet, still today, we can try and live the Christian life as if we're stuck in this period. We can try and live without Jesus and without the Spirit. We can go back to that thinking of, I just need to, like running, we need to to tough it out. We need the stamina. We need to, to dig in and try harder. Instead, we're to go in the power of the Spirit. We don't need to be in fear about making wrong decisions and wrong choices. We are confident in the sovereignty of God, in His power, and how He uses us. And here we were to see that God isn't just a, a heavenly slot machine, dishing out wisdom or provision at the push of a button. Sometimes we can get into a situation and say, oh, I know what to do. I need to pray and ask God. We must not remove that from the place of relationship. God is revealed as Father and wants us to have that relationship with Him even while we have the confidence of the resource and the power of God. So we are caught up in this story. We're caught up in in Jesus' story. And we can think, how is it that God can take ordinary men? It says in in Acts 4, verse 13, um, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. How could this group of disciples, who had not long before been hiding in a room, how could they go and take the truth of the gospel across the world? Well, what counts is knowing Jesus and being empowered by the Spirit. We need to be those who are set apart completely for Jesus and filled with his power. Let's read more of the coming Holy Spirit. Um, we're going to read on from uh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And on each one of, uh, sorry, and 
divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together. And they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them and telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, are filled with new wine. Jesus never intended us to do life without him or without the Spirit. Now what had been promised before, the disciples were told to wait until they're clothed with power from on high. And now it comes. So we're <coughs> here looking at, at Pentecost. What, what is it? It comes from the Greek word um, meaning 50th. This is the 50th day after Passover. This is a harvest festival celebrating the end of the barley harvest and the beginning of the wheat harvest. It was a pilgrim festival. That meant that lots of people would have gathered into Jerusalem to make offerings. And during the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the seven days after Passover, the priest would wave a sheaf of newly harvested grain before the Lord. Fifty days later, he would wave two loaves of bread before the Lord. Excuse me a moment. So, um, what it's saying is, we've trusted you with all of these things, and you have provided. Um, Passover was the beginning, when we remember Jesus' death and resurrection. Pentecost is the fulfillment with the Spirit coming. And so we're not to miss this symbolism. For seven weeks, the disciples waited. They prayed. They appointed Matthias. And they witnessed the, the first fruits, the resurrection, and now they are waiting for the fulfillment, the promise of the Father, which to know God is faithful and that he provides. So the Spirit comes. The promise comes. Everything kicks off. There's a sound like a rushing wind. And this is a common image of the Holy Spirit, of, of, of wind, of, of breathing life. Then there's the image of tongues of fire. There's also tongues of fire, and fire is a sign of, of God's presence. Remember in the Moses, um, God appearing to Moses at the, at the burning bush. And both these images of, of wind and of fire are images of, of power, of force, and of great impact, of images of something that is untamable. All these were filled with the Spirit. Those disciples that were gathered, this is something tangible and real. The disciples are speaking the wonders of God in other languages. <coughs> and sometimes when the Spirit comes, <coughs> excuse me, he enables us to speak in a heavenly praise language. Other times he inspires us to speak in an earthly tongue that we haven't previously learned. And this is what was happening here. It was, it was clear that these men are from Galilee because their accents gave them away. 
If someone from France came over here now uh, and was speaking to us in English, we would be able to tell that they are from France. How would we tell? Accent. That was a, that was a good demonstration, Phil. I enjoyed that. Uh, we could tell it was just the same. They were speaking in, in languages that they didn't know, but they could still tell the accent. Is, they thought, oh, you guys, uh, you're from, from Galilee. So what I love about this is that God uses us, uses things that are, are unique to us, using us personally. He doesn't just come and take over us, and so we're just like an, uh, something automated. God uses us and our own characteristics as well. But it's God's power at work. And also, sometimes when the Spirit moves, it can seem strange to others. We know uh, right at the, the end there, verse uh, 13, people are thinking that they're drunk. What, what is going on? Well, when the Spirit comes, it, it can be misunderstood. But it also, it needs to be obvious that something had happened. Starting here with a community gathering to God, praying and seeking Him, and it spills out onto the streets, and then soon the whole city knows that something is going on. And that is to be true for us today as well. The Spirit doesn't just come as, as a one-off. We see that Peter was filled time and time again. Ephesians 5 verse 18 encourages us to go on being filled with the Spirit. And we're filled with the Spirit to know the goodness of God, but also empowered to bring the good news. Notice that as they spilled out, it was to declare the praises and the mighty works of God. We'd love to see more of that amongst us. God's power at work, communicating his truth. So let's have a look at some of the results. Peter gets up to speak, and then verse 14 says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only, only the third hour of the day. So saying it's only early in the morning, there's no chance for them to get drunk. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. There goes on quoting more of Joel. And so where the Holy Spirit came on particular people at particular times, now the Holy Spirit was to be poured out on all people. Something's happened here. There's been a dramatic turnaround. And we can see even um, Peter has a, a, a new understanding of who Jesus is. He goes, he goes on and explains, this is, this is Jesus, the one who you have crucified. And then he equates um, with what, what David has said about him. David has called him Lord. Jesus is the anointed one. Jesus is uh, David's son's successor. But he is greater, as we looked about a few weeks ago. He is God, and he is the way to God. And the Spirit enables us to live for him and to speak about him. He goes on in verse um, 37. Let's look a little bit more of the response of the people. So um, Peter stood up and said, this is who Jesus is. And then this is the response, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. The disciples went from hiding away in secret to having 3,000 added. Peter suddenly sees with such clarity and is able to proclaim the truth boldly. It's only because of the power of the Holy Spirit at work. There's no need to be casting lots. Once the Spirit comes, God speaks to, through, and in his people. Jesus is made known by the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. Jesus is made known by the people of God and empowered by the Spirit of God. And we to, to know this truth and be able to communicate as well. We need to be able to explain what God is doing amongst us, <clears throat> explain who Jesus is and make that call to repentance and be baptized. Knowing it's not just about an equation of sin plus the cross, plus repentance equals salvation. We're drawn into a living and dynamic relationship. The Spirit really helps us in this. So just in closing, let's spend a few moments thinking of um, life in the Spirit. Firstly, it's easy to overlook the, the dramatic change here. Jesus leaves. The Spirit hasn't yet come. The 11 are, most, are more concerned about choosing another person to be part of the twelve. But then after the day of Pentecost, we never hear of Matthias again, nor most of the other apostles, because the focus suddenly switches to the fellowship of believers, thousands and thousands of them. And we start to read about other key individuals as well. We read of the, the seven deacons, we read of, of Stephen the martyr, we read of Philip the evangelist, we read of the apostle Paul. And the whole picture enlarges both in detail and in scope. It's just so much more than a small group huddled in Jerusalem. Now the message of Jesus is carried far and, wide, far and wide by a multitude of people empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus is making himself known. And when it comes to appointing um, seven, as they do in, in Acts chapter 6, they don't cast lots. Instead, they look for people full of the Spirit. That's, that's their criteria. This is the thing that is important. People full of the Spirit. The way Jesus is made known in, in preaching, in serving, is by the activity of the Holy Spirit in and through the people of God. And so we, uh, we live knowing that we are people of dramatic change, also of, of guidance. We can, we can worry a lot about how is God guiding us? How do we make right decisions? We're to be those who are looking for the Spirit's empowering in our lives, in what we're doing. And know that God will guide us in, in many ways. Thinking about this, even um, a couple of weeks ago, um, uh, Bren, I was, I was going to point to Bren, but she's not sitting next to Phil. She's in, in, in crash. Uh, Bren had a, a word for, for Vicky. It was a, a, um, a story from the Old Testament about people uh, sending out worshippers into battle first. 
Um, and we, that very morning as a family, we had read that Bible story together. And so even just in that small way, a real encouragement, let's make sure worship is a priority here and today. God is speaking. It's amazing that God would know. We read that that very morning, and God spoke to Brent and impressed that on us. We can hear God speaking through Scripture like that. We can hear God speaking through an aftershave bottle. Um, uh, this is a few years ago. We were talking about whether we should adopt again. And God spoke to us through a word on an aftershave bottle. That was particularly important for, for me um, because I was, I was thinking, mm, I'm not sure this is right. But God can speak um, through these small ways. God can speak. Uh, he spoke to us um, based on a, um, a building project that was happening. Someone else, uh, another pastor in London said, I feel this work is, is significant, um, but um, he's saying the builders come and builders go and people will look uh, what was done here. And then he realized what he'd done. He said, oh, I, it feels like I'm, I'm prophesying saying you had to leave um, a church in Putney. And he kind of tried to backstep, uh, to backpedal a little bit. But that's true. That's confirmation of, of what was God, God was saying to us. So we, we, we're confident that God guides us, that God speaks in, in big ways and in small ways. But also we have confidence that, that God is with us and his power is with us. And so we do not need to be in fear. And then the importance of, of repentance. We see this, that the, the people were cut to the heart. I said, what must we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized. So we're to be the, a people who are um, repenting. Sorry, I've, my, my notes have, have gone on sabbatical too. Um, we need to be a sign of repentance of, is, is trusting um, in Jesus and knowing that when we turn to him, we can know the full power and joy of God. And then finally, in that section, as my notes now, the screen now says, power. The promise is for us. It's promised for, for us here today, knowing the power and the presence of God. And one of my favorite uh, images that helps us in this is the image of a sail. Uh, we can have a number of different images of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I find the sail to be most helpful because we need to have, um, when you're sailing, you need to have the sail in the, in the right position. You need to have it up and ready to catch the wind. But we can't do anything to make the wind come. If you've ever sat on a boat hoping and praying for the wind, the wind to come, you know how powerless you feel in this. It's very similar. We just need to be in the right position, opening up ourselves and say, God, Holy Spirit, won't you come and bring your power? And if you've ever been um, <clears throat> on, a, on a boat going at, at full pelt, you realize the power and the excitement of that. We need to be uh, setting ourselves, setting the ropes, but trusting in the power of God to move. So just as we land <coughs> in John 14, Jesus tells his disciples that he will not leave them as orphans. When we put our trust in Jesus, he lives inside of us through the power of the Spirit. And today we live in the power um, of, of God. And this is not just for a few, it's, it's for everyone. Verse 39 of Acts 2, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. This gives us confidence to go in, in his power and confidence to, to reach out to those around us as well. Why would we do Christian life without Jesus and without the Spirit? Why would we try and seek to do it in our own strength, working hard? It's about him. 
It's about Jesus. It's about following his heart and purpose. It's about going in his power. It's going for his glory and going with his people together. The disciples did this, and and 3,000 were added to them in one day. We can live with boldness, knowing that, that Jesus is made known by the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God. Well, it's, it's difficult to, to preach something like this without actually responding. It's so important that we hear God's word and then put it into practice. So we're going to have an opportunity. We've got a good amount of time for God to do whatever he wants. So can I encourage you to stand? I'll, uh, I'll kick us off in, in response and I'll, I'll hand to the other guys who will, um, who will help us. So first, uh, let's, let's close our eyes. Lord God, we, we thank you that you are here. We thank you that you are alive. We thank you that as we spend these, these weeks looking at at who you are. We thank you for the truth that you are real, that you are the king, that you are the sustainer, you are the creator. You are the one who gladly gave your life for us. You're the one with all, all authority. You're the one who knows our hearts. You are our certainty we thank you that you freely give good gifts. And so, Lord, as we, we stand here this morning, I pray that we would be repenting if we have turned to our own way. And, Lord, let us be those who are trusting in you, in your power, and for your glory. We say, when you come now. Lord, we want to be like those disciples who are, who are waiting for you, who are seeking you, who said, Jesus, you promised the Holy Spirit. We're aware that we can't do this by ourselves. Come. We say, come, Lord.